Welcome to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast with your host, Dr. Dana Pung, and myself, Dr. Elise Hutt. Join us as we talk to inspiring clinicians who have redefined their careers. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Creative Careers in Medicine podcast. Today I have Dr. Sarah Arachi with me, a pediatrician in Melbourne. Welcome. Hi, how are you? It's lovely to be on the podcast. Very excited. Good. Thank you so much, Sarah. It is a pleasure and privilege to have you not only on the podcast, but you will be speaking for us at the upcoming Creative Careers in Medicine Conference 2024. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, Dana. It'll be great to uh, come along to Sydney and, yeah, see lots of people there at the Creative Careers in Medicine um, conference. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to being there. Now, this episode is to give everyone a bit of a taster. Uh, We're not going to give away too much of your presentation, but we're going to get to know you a little bit better and how you came to be who you are and as a pediatrician, but also the interesting creative path that you've taken with your career. Just to kick things off, if you were to summarize who you are in a few words, and I might have given a couple of things away already, what words would you choose? (laughs) So I would probably say that I'm somewhat of a social butterfly, Um, always, you know, a bit bright, bubbly, and always try and be a bit different from everyone else. Um, And I've sort of taken that pathway from when I was in my early childhood years, trying to be different and stand out from the crowd. Um, So hopefully that answers your question. (laughs) Yep, yep. And so having been a social butterfly uh, since childhood, how did that lead to medicine? Like, was this something that you had always known that you wanted to do since you were a child? Or was this something that you kind of came across a little bit later in life? Yeah, so interesting. Um, it's an interesting story, but when I was 13, I read a book. And when I was reading the book, um, it was because I, I used to love reading. I used to, I was one of those people that you would find um, tucked away when I was supposed to be doing homework, reading a book, and my parents would come knocking on the door. And then I quickly shoved the novel under the, <laughs> under the drawer <laughs> before they could see what I was actually doing. So um, while I was reading one of these books, um, I read about a doctor who was in a um, children's hospital. And until this time, I don't know why, but I never actually knew that you could look after kids. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Um, I don't have to like look at old people. And that's what I thought my GP did, which is terrible because I was a kid going to the GP. But I mean, it was very heartwarming to see in that book that I read how that that particular pediatrician felt when they were going out to the hospital and looking after sick kids. And um, I think that kind of inspired me to think, hey, I would love to do that one day. And um, I think throughout my my life, I've been exposed to a lot of issues in social justice um, through my own like Sri Lankan background. My father did a lot of work for the Sri Lankan community here and overseas. And I would often attend as a young child, you know, volunteering and being there and watching how things were done. Um, And so when I went through school, I found myself volunteering for things like Amnesty International, UNICEF, um, the IWD committee, and those kinds of things. Like I felt always drawn to doing something that made a difference. Um, And I think that pathway, along with that fascination for, you know, the human body, I thought was always interesting. 
My mum tells me stories of when I was maybe 10 or 11, where I would draw the heart, including the chambers of the heart and all of the connections. I don't think I can do that anymore. (laughs) But I copied it from some medical textbook somewhere that I'd found in someone's house. Um, And so I think I always had that sense of, you know, I found it interesting, the human body and how it worked. Um, And I love connecting to people. So I think it was probably, you know, a bit of a combination of all of those things. And you know, really wanting to make a difference to the world, I guess, <laughs> um, but making a difference in the community, that's sort of what drew me to medicine. And yeah, and I, and I just thought that that would be an area where I could grow as a person um, and that I could be recognized in the community as a leader. And so that sort of pushed me in the direction of medicine. And yeah, I think, you know, it was a culmination of all of those things that eventually led me down that path. That's so interesting. And so does that mean that you went from high school straight into medical school? Yeah, I was one of those students. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I was, uh, I think I was 17 when I got into medical school. Um, I went to Monash University in Melbourne. Yes, I was very young, very eager to learn. And yeah, um, there's a group of us actually in my, in my PBL class, I still remember and they went around the room and there was a group of us and I'm still friends with a lot of these people. And we were all like, we, we want to make a difference to the world. We were like really sort of altruistic about what we wanted to do. Um, and some of my friends have gone on and become, you know, wonderful people who've made huge differences to medicine, some who are attending the conference. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it's been like, it's been a journey, I think. Um, and I think, you know, medicine changes who you are as well. Mm. Um, and it helps you to grow as a person. You see a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that you wouldn't otherwise see if you were not in the medical field. Mm-hmm. And I think it matures you very quickly. And sometimes a lot of people are not um, prepared for that. Mm. Um, and I don't think the medical school particularly prepares you for that. So that can be a bit of a challenge for a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. So I can resonate with a lot of what, what you've said. So that actually brings me to my next question to you. If you could talk us through a bit more about what your junior years were like. It, um, what was medical school like? What parts did you like? Did you not like? And then also as a junior doctor, you know, the junior doctor years are pretty tough as well. Um, and how did all of that sort of come together and take you to peds? You know, did you at any point want to deviate from that or was that 13-year-old you stayed true to that <laughs> goal the entire time? Yeah. So going back to medical school. So when I went to med school, it was the first time that I felt like I met my people. This sounds really weird, but um, there was all these people in my med school that I just, we just connected like on day one of orientation. That's and amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, I made some, you know, lifelong friends through medical school, but yeah, for me, I actually really enjoyed medical school. I loved learning and I loved being in the lecture theatres. I loved everything about it in terms of, you know, learning, not so much anatomy, I have to say, that's why I didn't become a surgeon. (laughs) Um, But I did love, you know, learning about the human body, learning to do, learning to examine each other and like taking histories, doing examinations and particularly going into the hospital um, where you could, you know, be one of the med students in the, in the hospital. So I was one, I was one of those medical students that stayed till like six o'clock, seven o'clock at night following the junior doctors around, unfortunately. But that's because I loved it so much and I love being there and I wanted to learn. Um, 
I also had fun, you know, with, with my friends and it was, and, you know, we, we did some rural rotations here and there as well, which, um, gives you a bit of a perspective on, of what medicine could be like, but look, it was, it was challenging the learning, but I thrived in that environment because it was something that I really wanted to do. So at no point in my actual medical school did I find it difficult. I know it sounds really crazy, but I actually didn't find the medicine to be difficult. Um, but what was more challenging is definitely when you become a, an intern um, and then you're thrown into like this world where you have to kind of, you know, um, answer your pager, which goes off like every five minutes. <laughs> I still remember my first rotation as an intern, I was doing gastro and um, I had like 40 patients to look after along with my resident and the, the other registrar. And it was like five o'clock and I had to then cover the rest of the, the other ward. And the consultant was only then doing the gastro ward round. And he said, you are not to answer that pager when it's going off. And I was just sitting there going like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, there's people that need me. So that was, it was really, really challenging. But um, I think what worked for me was hard work. And, you know, there's a lot of people who did overtime. That was not uh, that they didn't claim. I was one of those people. I would be found on the computer writing letters for the patient that was getting transferred at eight o'clock at night. And, you know, luckily for me, I had a lovely registrar who asked us to claim the overtime. So that was good. I had that support from my team. I think, you know, I did two rotations as an intern in the country and that really helped me to grow because a lot of the time you're on your own um, and you've got to manage all these sick patients and you're in a place that's so far away from the city that you just learn to... I guess, juggle the workload a bit better. And I think, you know, you learn, you lean on each other is probably what I learned. So we would often debrief, we'd have coffees together. We'd eat, I'd eat, I ate a lot of cake <laughs> <laughs> with, my, with my friends um, during all of those times. And I think, yeah, it was definitely long hours. It was a big difference from being a medical student and then becoming an intern. Um, but I think, yeah, hard work was sort of what really, what I, I kind of thrived on working really hard because I wanted to get into paediatrics. That was the other thing. So yes. So the pattern for paediatrics was always there. And going back a step, when I was a medical student, I was lucky to attend two placements. One of them was at Monash and, um, and one of them is, was in Darwin. And in both of those settings, I got to look after children. And I got to connect with them and their families. And I just loved the way that the pediatricians looked after children. And, you know, a lot of those pediatricians became my mentors. Um, I think mentors are really important. And then that reignited that passion that, you know, this is what I want to do, what I felt. You know, like when I went to Darwin, I still remember um, feeling connected to some of those children and they were just so resilient, so beautiful. And a lot of them, it wasn't their fault that they were sick. And I think that's what really made me want to be a paediatrician was to look after children because they're, they're never, it's never their fault when they're sick. And to be that person for them that tries to understand them and their families and try and sort of connect it all together, that's the person that I wanted to be and that's the medicine I wanted to practice. So that's sort of what drove me towards paediatrics and I just kept going in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of the social justice and even just social skills in general that you picked up when you were younger came really handy uh, as a paediatrics trainee as well, I imagine. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think also like, this is not relevant, but I'm pretty short. You can't tell. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's nice to have patients that are shorter than you. Um, but you know, like, uh, sometimes I, I would be, I, I remember when I was doing my surgical rotation and I'm sitting, standing at the bed and this man is like lying on the table and I'm trying to like reach over to touch his, you know, to examine his abdomen and I can't because I'm too short. <laughs> Whereas all of the little babies and all of the little children are okay. And eventually they do grow up and they start looking down at you and you're like, yeah, I know you're taller than me and I can't like measure your height anymore. So, cause you're taller than me still happens. But yeah, I think, look, I think kids, working with kids and working with families was something that I was really drawn to. Um, and again, that sense of innocence that the children have was something that I, I loved and, you know, trying to make a difference in their lives. Um, you have to be really non-judgmental generally as a doctor, but even more so as a, as a, as a pediatric doctor. And, you know, we see a lot of stuff and we see a lot of parents and it's not easy being a doctor. I mean, it's not easy being a parent um, and it's not easy being a doctor who's a mum who's also a paediatrician now, you know, <laughs> so different different things happen along the way. But um, I think, yeah, with paediatrics, definitely the medicine is very rewarding. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can already get the sense that you're very kind and compassionate and as far as I'm aware, m most paediatricians that I come across, honestly, you guys are like my favorite non-GP specialists to interact with. I I never, you know, if I pick up the phone to ring a, a pediatrician, my heart rate never goes up. My blood pressure doesn't go up. <laughs> I, I, I feel very stressed when I have to call surgeons um, because, you know, all the pediatricians I've ever called and asked for help, loveliest, loveliest people on the planet, like so kind and generous, you know, with their time and advice and everything. And so, yeah. Kudos to you. Um, thank you for the work that you do. And I'm sure your patients are so lucky to have you. Thank you, Dana. Yeah, I think, look, you just touched on an important point, the culture of medicine, right? So um, often as junior doctors, a lot of people are afraid to pick up that phone and make a referral to somebody because they're afraid that they're going to be yelled at. I still remember when I was an intern, I was working in um, an emergency department. I rang this doctor who shall not be named. Um, and, uh, I still remember I gave like the most beautiful referral and then there was silence on the other end and the registrar could hear after the silence came the yelling and the registrar was standing next to me and you could just see the shock on their face. And even since that time, and I've interacted with this person since then, I've always been afraid that I'd get yelled at by this particular, particular consultant who shall not be named. Oh. Um, so, you know, you get a little bit scarred when you have to deal with that, that unnecessary culture um, that I'm hoping is slowly getting weeded out. Um, so, you know, throughout my time in medical school, as a junior doctor, as a consultant, one of the things that I really love is educating the junior doctors and the medical students and trying to change that culture because I think that that's really important that we learn not just from um, from each other, but you can learn from your junior doctors and from your medical students as well. It goes both ways. And it's important to share knowledge. Um, and that's the only way that you will improve as a, as a person as well. So I think that's something that needs to change and it is slowly changing. Um, we just need more people to institute that change. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. On the topic of learning and sharing, so I understand that you 
dabble in some creative careers outside slash related to medicine. And you will be talking about creative writing at the conference, but I'm interested in your social media endeavors because you've taken patient education outside of your consult room by creating some really fun, non-judgmental social media content. Can you please tell me a bit more about what led you to, you know, starting your social media platform or channels? Yeah, sure. So um, I I think, uh, look, to be honest, it was probably COVID that led to my experiences being shared online. So during the middle of COVID, uh, we moved to America for eight months um, for my husband's fellowship. We went to the Mayo Clinic and it was in December 2020. So it was, everybody told me not to go. Everybody told us that something would happen to someone. And I had all these like crazy nightmares that someone was going to die. And, you know, like it was just scary, like going to America. It was, people thought we were literally crazy. Um, I had family members telling me, I had friends telling me, don't go. And my husband really, really wanted to go because it's important to him. So, and we have two kids as well. So, um, there's months of anguish. I spent a long time thinking about what, what I should do, what was the right thing to do. And in the end, I decided that, you know, we're going to go, um, and we're going to move to America. So we did that. And then when I landed in America, I had like eight months off, but when I landed in America, I felt like I wanted to share my experience. And that's when I first, I, I went back to my writing. I used to love writing um, something that I did in high school. I used to write, you know, essays and in competitions and things like that when I was younger. And something that I missed a lot was when I got into medicine, I really wanted to do arts, but Monash didn't offer arts medicine at the time. So I gave up my writing. I gave up that side of me for medicine. And it all came back to me at that point and I just wanted to write. So I sat down and I wrote my experience down and I submitted it into one of the editors at The Age and um, it got published the next day. So that was really cool to see an article that I'd written in, in The Age. Um, and then I was receiving, you know, I got lots of emails from people all over the world that came and responded to that article. It was really cool. And I was like, wait, hey, hey, wait, hang on a minute. I can do more of this stuff. I can share my experiences. And so, you know, I've, I've written some more articles in The Guardian and some other newspapers as well since then. Um, and I think what I realized was that print has an impact on people in many countries and it can impact, you know, what you read online, what you do online, what you say online, all of these things can make an impact on people outside of your role in the hospital or your role in your clinic. Um, and that's what sort of led me to that social media to try and, you know, do some more things online to reach sort of a wider audience. When I came back to Australia, we also developed a, an ad campaign, which I wrote with a colleague through the Victorian government. And we filmed, it was endorsed by the Department of Health in Victoria. And we made like a video and we worked with their media team and that was really cool to be able to make, you know, a message out that we designed and we got different doctors to film it. And that was the, I mean, it, it sent out an important message. So I think um, that really motivated me to keep going mm -hmm. um, with, you know, social media. And, you know, one time I was working in ED and this mum came up to me and she said, you're, you're Dr. Sarah from like my Instagram yeah. page. And I was like, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> 
And she's like, I love your articles. I love your content. And, and I was just standing there thinking like, oh my God, this is, I felt really embarrassed because I didn't think that anyone would ever recognize me outside of this online presence. But she was really grateful. And she, she was really grateful to the advice that I'd given online. Like mm-hmm. it was non-specific advice because mm-hmm. you're not supposed yeah. to give personalized right. medical advice. Yeah. But she was really grateful and she expressed her gratitude and yeah, it was really, it was really cool, but like a bit weird and strange being recognized by someone I didn't know, um, in the hospital that I worked in. (laughs) Um, so I guess it does, it does help people and Mm. people have reached out to me, you know, who some mums and people that have struggled in their own different ways that, uh, have found some of the generic advice to be quite helpful. I've also teamed up with, you know, other doctors online during that whole COVID time where we did discussions as well, just to try and increase um, awareness of certain issues. So um, I think, you know, the world has changed and social media has changed and essentially, um, you know, we all reconnect and spread information and share information online now, just as much as we do it in our consulting room. So um, I think it's a, it's a great way to, you know, to be able to share accurate, more accurate content, not some of the rubbish that you read <laughs> online. Okay. So, um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I've danced, I've, I've, I've done all sorts of, <laughs> of things on my page. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really fun to watch. And I feel like it's very courageous of you because as a profession, we're quite conservative compared to, you know, other industries, you know, where people do some pretty outlandish things on social media to, I guess, you know, market themselves. But I can see that from your, looking through your page, you're doing it from a very altruistic angle, you know, of trying to spread some factual information because sometimes our advice, general advice can be drowned by the pseudoscience. Yeah, that's true. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that are doing it right now, but I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important. Um, yeah, just to share that accurate, more accurate information. And also like, you know, don't be afraid. I think if you, if you, if someone's listening and they want to do something different, don't be afraid, like just, just be who you are and, you know, do the thing that you want, that you love to do. You don't have to just do medicine, you know, Mm. you can do other things outside of medicine as well. Um, I find that that gives me just as much joy as medicine does, and sometimes they are interrelated. So, Sarah, you wear many hats. Aside from being a pediatrician, can you talk to me a bit more about your other leadership roles? Yeah, sure. So, um, in the past, I've organised conferences for medical parents. Um, that kind of stopped, unfortunately, after COVID. But uh, since then, I've continued the um, educational training pathway. Uh, myself with a colleague, we coordinate the Victorian uh, the RACP or the Royal Australia Australasian College of Physicians uh, lecture series for pediatricians. So um, we run three to four of those sessions a year, um, and it is streamed through Victoria. But we've had like you know over the hundred people join from all around Australia, um, and we discuss you know topics that are relevant to pediatrics with some guest speakers that are present as well. So I co-convene that. Um, I find that to be you know quite rewarding, I guess, and. You know, we listen to each other's advice about particular topics. Um, and then secondly, I am also involved in the AMA, um, in which I'm on council as well as in the Women in Medicine Committee. Um, so the Women in Medicine Committee, we run a series of events over the course of the year. You know, International Women's Day um, was one that I can think back to that we had last year with Dr. Monique Ryan presenting. 
Um, that was pretty cool. And um, also we recently had a panel where we discussed fertility in women um, and men. So I really enjoy that role. Um, I think, you know, as a woman in medicine, we go through so many different challenges. Um, and as a mother in medicine, it's again, a number of other different challenges. And I think part of, part of that role is to encourage conversations with each other, um, raise awareness and um, advocate for women in that space. And so I really enjoy being part of that committee and organising events um, and coordinating and hosting some of those events. I think it's important to be a leader and to try and, you know, lead by example, but also listen and learn from other people. And so, yeah, I love doing those extracurricular activities <laughs> um, outside of outside of medicine. I've been involved in the Queensland version of that in the past, and I found that it was a great way to connect with other women, especially yeah. from other specialties, because sometimes we can feel a bit isolated, you know, sort of moving in a very small circle within our own specialties. Yeah, that's uh, that's very, very true. Um, and I think, you know, it gives you a bit of perspective as well, doesn't mm. it? And mm. appreciation. And um, if there's room to institute policies or change, then you can work with the people within that committee and raise that as an issue and hopefully make that change happen. So, yeah, I, re I really enjoy... Um, being involved in in those two other roles, um, you know, outside of medicine. So I would encourage people if they have um, a particular college that they're involved, want to be involved in to get involved with your college and or if, if you're a, an AMA member or something like that, you might want to join the AMA, for example. But it's a really great way to voice issues and to be heard and to share that um, amongst other doctors from, as you said, Dana, different specialties. So, um, yeah, I really love doing and you make wonderful connections, don't mm. you? Like I've got lots of great friends through my AMA committee that, you know, we all have a laugh together at the end after we've had an event and really enjoy um, having those conversations. And we get to listen to wonderful speakers as well that we get to invite to some of these events to speak at. So it's always great to listen and hear other people's stories. Um, as part of the AMA, I also write for the VicDoc, um, write articles for the VicDoc as well, where I share some of the experiences that we had. Um, so just a different way of uh, contributing there as well. Couldn't agree more. So um, yeah, <laughs> that and raising two children. So probably the harder role. <laughs> <laughs> and a very important one. Yeah, a very important one. I think so. Yeah. Being a doctor and being a mum are two different things, but they're definitely um, challenging roles. But if anyone's considering having kids, it does make you if you want to have kids and considering having kids, it does make you a better doctor. For me, it did. Um, it just, you just get so much more. I felt that I changed and I became much more compassionate um, and that I was able to understand other parents more. So it's probably a bit more relevant to my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is actually relevant to all specialties because most specialties to some degree will come across parents at the very least. Um, and then also That's... additionally children as well. But uh, not all specialties are as willing to um, be as, I guess, patient <laughs> about it. <laughs> I know. I have I have not one patient but three patients in my consulting rooms most yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that actually brings me to my 
other question, a little sneaky one that I'm going to throw at you. I didn't prepare you for this one because I wanted an element <laughs> of surprise. In an alternate universe, if you were to work in a career that's not related to health, what would you be? I think I'd probably be, I reckon I'd be a chef. Oh, I probably. was not expecting that one. <laughs> in Paris or somewhere, like cooking and just being happy with, yeah. I, I, I mean, I love cooking. I love being in that in that space where it all makes sense. Like when I cook, I find that I get lost in the um, art of cooking and I find that it takes me away. Like I don't get stressed. I just find it's like really cool creating stuff. So I think, yeah, I probably do be, uh, probably for MasterChef. Actually, yeah, I was going to say, it's not too late. I might see you on MasterChef one day. Yeah, maybe one day we'll see a couple of years when I give up medicine. <laughs> Maybe in like 10, 15 years, if when I retire, I might be on MasterChef. I learn enough recipes by then. <laughs> Any final words of wisdom you'd like to share before we wrap up? Um, I, I would say, so I'll go back to my quote, which, which is something I, I had from when I was in year 12. So that where there's a will, there's a way. So if there's something that you really want to do, something that you're passionate about, something that you're driven, don't let other people tell you that you can't get in or can't do that. I think always believe in yourself and try and find that path and surround yourself with people that support you and try and figure out how to get there because, you know, only you know what's right for you. Thank you. That is a really good quote and um, I agree with you. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Sarah Arachi. Looking forward to your talk at Creative Careers in Medicine 2024. Thank you, Dana. Thanks for listening to the Creative Careers in Medicine podcast, a proud member of the Talking Health Tech podcast network. Visit the Creative Careers in Medicine website in the show notes of this episode for more resources to help you find the courage, confidence and skills to take control of your career and forge your own unique path. The Creative Careers in Medicine podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, water and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders past, present and emerging. 